Seven Days to Play. Welcome to Seven Days to Play, your weekly mobile game review program. I'm Edwin. And I'm Sam. For the past seven days, I have selected for all of us and for Edwin to play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Deep Space D6. Tell me more. Deep Space... Yeah. So <laughs> let me read you the description in the Apple App Store. And, you know, this is one of those games where I feel... Uh, normally, I feel like we've been very iOS heavy i mm-hmm. very ios faced um as in ios only as in ios only you know that them apple app store uh, and the apple arcade yeah uh makes it really hard for android players to follow along but deep space d6 is actually also available in the google play store ah hello android friends and welcome yes so let me read you the Apple App Store description. The Google Play Store description might be different, but here we are. This app is an unofficial fan-made digital adaptation of Deep Space D6, a fantastic solitaire board game by Tau Leader Games. You are the captain of a spaceship deep inside enemy territory, and you need to make the best, of, the best use of your crew to make it out. You'll be rolling dice, which represent your crew, and assigning them to different stations to deal with incoming external and internal threats. Mm. Will you use your science die to recharge six shields or fix that time warp? Will you send your engineers to deal with a robot uprising or repair your hull? Will you lead your crew to victory or meet your doom in the the cold void of space? Oh no, not the cold void of space. So, uh, this is one of those board games. Uh, this is a, this is an app. This is a game that has been adapted from. Uh, I think this is a print and play game. So this isn't mm, a fully yes right. This isn't a fully like published and you know professionally minted and printed game. What is a print and play game, please, Sam? A print and play game are games that. Uh, kind of like indie games where you can actually print out the instructions, print out the cards, cut them out, and have you play it. And mm. usually, if things involve dice, they don't require any sort of special dice like D20s or, you know, like those 20-sided dice, but more just, just like the D6. conventional D6. <laughs> Hence the Deep Space D6. Right, so I think maybe like a famous example of a completely non-problematic, totally okay game, uh, Cards Against Humanity, was like a print-and-play. Uh, Previously, kind of yeah. That way. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just, all you need is a printer and like a PDF file, and then you can go hog-wild and play yourself. Right, and then they usually gauge a bit of popularity from this. So if it turns out like a lot of people are liking it, then it gives the sort of the, the game makers you know, an opportunity to one, get feedback from the players, right? They'll get feedback saying like, Oh, you know, like this card's like totally unbalanced. Uh, and then they'd update it. And then the print and play would go on and get more feedback. And if it's popular enough, then they're like, okay, we can actually invest some printing. We'll do like a thousand copy run and see how that sells. And then if it sells out, great. Good for the game maker. Now, is there like a central place where, uh, print and play games can be found or distributed. I wonder if there's like a, mm. a fa- like a Steam equivalent or something. Yeah, like I was trying to look for something like that, but the I, I feel like everything stems from Board Game Geek. So Board Game Geek is kind of like the the de facto board gaming website that you go to. It's kind of like a wiki 
for all board gaming needs. And <laughs> and you have many. If you go to Board Game Geek, Deep Space D6 is actually on there. Um, it's originally like a 2015 game. You can see all like the, the, the ways that people have printed and played this thing in like really creative in different ways. Um, it's really cool. Oh, nice. But, yeah. And so this game, Deep Space D6 for the iOS and Android, is kind of a representation of that board game. So, you know, you know, previously we've, we've talked about like ways that board games are represented on the mobile device. Uh, and this is more of a very straightforward approach to the game. Mm, so right. where you see like die faces, you'd actually see die faces represented um, rather than trying to obfuscate it by some like gameplay mechanic. So, you know, take a game like Civilization or something like that. There's there's things in the background that represents dice roll and probability, which has all been hidden from the user. But in the case of like these kind of games where it's like a straight representation, it's just showing you the dice roll, meaning like it feels like you're playing a board game. Um, it has a nice benefit- little dice rolling sound. Right. And the benefit <laughs> of that is that, you know, it's very straightforward to make. It's also very straightforward to understand. Um, and it's, the I, I'd say like the real benefit is are like the calculations, right? Like Ooh. rather than you having to think like, okay, I can do these things and I can't do these things. All of that is sort of like just calculated and, and ruled out nicely for you. So that's yeah. one of the benefits. Yeah. A great example of that is that co-op superhero game whose name I will definitely think of by the end of this sentence. Oh. Heroes of the multiverse. Yeah. No, is it Sentinels of the Multiverse? Sentinels, that's it. <laughs> Where it's, I mean, it's a pretty complex game, and right. the card version is, albeit beautiful, tricky to totally keep in your mind what you can do at each ste- step and like how it affects. You know, if we've got bonuses and boosts and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Apple App Store app version handles it all for you, uh, and you don't need to, yeah, kind of worry or do too much like oh wait i need to plus one on this negative one on this it does it all for you which is super nice right um and so how would you describe this game edwin it's It's, um it's kind of like solitaire yeah but fun it's kind (laughs) of like solitaire and kind of like yahtzee where that's a good call out right like it is a solo game like you're it's you versus the game mechanic it's not right a player versus player or um, yeah, you versus a group of friends. It's sort of you versus the mechanic, which right. instantly puts it in a favorable position because I do like games like that already. So, so, so far, so good. So, yeah. So, how I think I would explain this game by saying it's kind of like a resource management game, right? So, your, your spaceship consists of six dice, meaning like six rolls of like, or I don't know. The way that it explains is like each die represents a crewmate, but on each die you have six possibilities of which crewmates those will be. So one side of the die represents uh, a different function of what a crewmate can do, right? And each each role of the crewmate can generally do like two different things. So let's say you have the engineer. So the engineer can fix a hull if your spaceship is kind of damaged, like your spaceship has hit points, it can fix a hull, but then it can also do another thing that it might represent. Um, and, and 
upon an event. And uh, another role might be there's like a, a soldier role, which does like, or, or like a gunner role or like an attack role, right? And that could do a damage to a bad spaceship that's nearby. Uh, and then there is the commander role where you can choose to change the the dice of another uh, unused dice. So like, let's say you have two engineers, but then you're like, oh, I only need one engineer for this turn. I'm going to change the second engineer to have be an attack soldier where then I can use that to damage a spaceship. Um, and now that's all fair and well, but then every once in a while, actually every turn, you're going to get all these like events that happen. So an event could be like, oh, there's a bad spaceship nearby with three hit points and there are, you know, uh, there's like a list of die rolls listed on that card. And if, and upon like the bad event happening, there's like a die roll that happens. Let's say there's a two on that bad card and then you happen to roll a two, then that will do a damage to your spaceship and stuff like that. So it's like, I kind of fumbled through the explanation of that, but like what happens is on each turn, you pull in an event card, an event card can be anything bad from like, you know, there are asteroids nearby, you got to deal with it, to there's a bad spaceship nearby, and then you have to deal with it using uh, your crew. And your crew consists of the six dice, and when you roll it, you have the possibilities of then picking and choosing which role you want to use for certain events. Right. Yeah, uh, that, that explains it well. Uh, they have their phases, I think, right? That's kind of what you were getting at. Within a single turn, there's a phase of like the attack phase where you see right. the threats coming in, and then there's the player phase where you get to try and, given the resources you have, how do you want to deal with these threats? Uh, and then once you have eliminated all external threats, uh, then you have won the, your round. Um, and the internal threats are still there, but uh, I guess we just carry on in space with them. <laughs> right. Carry on that yeah. flight. It's fine. And sometimes yeah. you just have to wait until some of those threats go away. Um, and, and the real and the only way that they can go away is for you to activate them in some way. And those all depend upon the rules of those cards. Um, like now that, yeah. we, now that we mentioned Sentinels of the Multiverse, like there are certain certainly quite a few similarities between that, right? Like it's you versus a uh, environment. An environment or a single enemy they have different strengths and weaknesses as do you your different players have different uh, capabilities uh, and then each turn you know there's the attack phase there's the player phase uh, you're trying to strategize over how you use your resources to defeat the, the big bad mm-hmm. so if you like Sentinels of the Multiverse definitely will check this one out definitely yeah I, I, if you like you know any sort of like solitaire type of games where it's you and you have a, a limited number of choices that you can do and kind of like a uh, like a chance game where luck is involved. Like I think this is definitely one of those games to try out because you might have fun with it. Um, Edwin, how did you how did you get along with the game? I was kind of on the fence about this for you. <laughs> well, Sam, you are right to be because it took me certainly a while to muster up the courage to pierce the skin of the grapefruit. That's a old time reference uh, to actually get in and play this. Um, I did. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Like I did try to look for a let's play on YouTube, but there aren't too many to be found. There are some of like the original game. In fact, I think the, Oh boy, who was the original creator of this game? Tao something, something. 
Yeah, right. um, Tao Leader Games. Tao Leader, Tao yeah, Leader there's actually Games. a YouTube video from 2011, I think, of the guy playing through this printed out version. So like I the print and play bit. version. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, this is retro and exciting. Uh, so I kind of watched that and that certainly helped a little bit um, kind of get me over that initial hump. There is a tutorial mode, which is uh, functional. You know, I think it's, as always with these games, it's the fun part. It's difficult to get people up to speed with the rules and into the fun quickly or easily like you do need to take a moment to really understand the rules and that's and then you can have the fun the right. rules are there to control the fun to quote that terrible tv show from the 90s um <laughs> and but if you've uh, ever yeah, done like any sort of app development like tutorials are very hard to make outside oh, of the boy. actual game itself it's like almost a completely different system that's required yeah. to actually make a tutorial so i can see where that could always be a struggle yeah. Yeah, but I do like apps. that. Like the first time you pop it open, boom! It asks you, "Do you want to do the tutorial?" Always appreciate that. Uh, and I played through it a little bit. I thought you got distracted, had to come back. But yeah, replay the, t- the tutorial is right there. Um, yeah, it is a nice job of hiding it away or making it optional and not sort of forcing you to tap through if you uh, if you are a Deep Space D six expert already. Right. Yeah, I really like this game as well. Like I felt like this is kind of a roguelite, Edwin. This is, you have like one run and you see how far you can get, you know, the, the chances of the things that you get are kind of random. The benefits that you have is pretty consistent because it's like a dice roll, but then the dice roll, having it be randomized kind of makes it really interesting on like having you decide what to use when. Um, but yeah, like I really liked it. I think the, the developer, Alex Vergara Nebot did a really good job of like translating this from like a printed play board game to like a, a mobile app. And it's one of those games where you can like, you know, take your time with it. Just like yep. it's casually, I'd say it's like casually exciting. That's like a really hard balance <laughs> to get. And, you know, whenever I think of a mobile game that I really tend to connect with, it's these type of mobile games where if you're in it, like you can actually think about it and find it pretty exciting. And it's like decision making and when you succeed, it makes you feel brilliant and really good. Um, and yeah, it just felt like a pretty good, chunky game that you can really sink your teeth into and enjoy Yeah, for such a 100%. simple interface. Yeah. Sam, shall we get to the three by threes? Yeah, let's get to the three by threes. Three things good and three things bad. Wait, first, please. Edwin, like, what's your favorite? What was your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite dice? Dice? Like, uh... Oh, which my favorite engineer, I mean, archetype. Yeah. Um, I quite like the science, uh, the green one, because I think it the was... The green one? Quite, yeah, because it was pretty multifunctional. You could repair your hulls, you can use it to attack. Um, yeah, that was a good one to have in your, in your arsenal. See, science wins. Yeah, all, all I, that runs. was like my favorite as well, because with that roll, you can actually choose to recharge your shields, which is essentially four hit points uh, in one go, or... You can stasis a bad guy, mm. which means for that turn, that, oh, bad, that's what it means. that yes. bad event will not be functional. And that has saved my bacon so many times. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get to the three by threes. Edwin. As you said, Sam, it's surprisingly deep. Like it does a good job. The tutorial is actually pretty short. Like, uh, although I was complaining a little bit or not complaining, but although it felt like, oh boy, there's a whole tutorial to go through. Um, 
it was pretty quick. The rules are pretty simple and short, and you can get going and playing, you know, within a, you know, geez, five minutes, maybe something like that. Um, but once you do have the rules and you've got the hang of it, ooh, yeah, it's surprisingly deep. Um, you can, you are really thinking of like, resource constraints and how you can what you need to do for the next round working on your current attack strategy yeah good yeah good game yeah I like yeah I, I really like the strategy st- strategy strategy Stra- i can't speak strategy when the feeling's <laughs> gone you can't go wrong it's strategy <laughs> i really but, like the the strategy aspect of the game where like you you get a dice roll of six things and you kind of have to pick and choose uh, what you want to do with them. And sometimes when things really work out, they really work out in ways that makes you feel like you've accomplished something for the day. Um, and then you, you just like, you quit your work and you're <laughs> like, okay, That's my it, I'm going to bed. That's yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> Off to bed I go. There's nothing more I can accomplish today. <laughs> so in terms of like gameplay, like that little morsel is pretty satisfying. Like, and I wish more games actually had that. <laughs> Second good point, um, I think the interface is like really nice. It, it reminds me of a good board game, but you know, not like l- a literal representation of a board game. Like they definitely make some good concessions to make it still feel like a digital board game, but in ways that makes it feel accessible on like a mobile device. So, you know, the fonts are nice and readable. Um, the elements are iconographied and like, you know, done well where you can instantly identify them. Um, yeah, so very well in terms of like the the UI and the UX for like a print and play game. I think sometimes in the past, some of your other <clears throat> uh, board game adaptations have felt a little, little heavy, heavy handed right. with their board game uh, representation of like, oh, we are a board game. We're going to make it feel like one. Here's um, a card that <laughs> right. you see that looks exactly like a board game card, but you can't read the text of it because we wanted to keep it just like the board game. So screw you. Uh, but yeah, they do a very good job here of keeping it. Yeah, you can kind of tell that like, oh yeah, this works totally as a board game, but the interface is just abstracted away enough that you can focus on the gameplay and not be too distracted with the idea that it's, oh, it's a, this is a board game and here is dice and things like that. Right. Um, the, the last thing that I really liked about this game is each run really made you think, right? Like, I don't know if you remember that game Hoplite, Edwin. Ooh, name is familiar, but I can't immediately place it. It's, uh, kind of like a hex grid and then you kind of, you can choose the different moves that you want to do. It's very good. It's a very good sort of strategy game where it's also like a roguelite, um, but it's more like, it's more action based. Yeah. Uh, but it might have been on our previous podcast, not our not seven days to play. But really, back in the archives, okay. Yeah, and each run kind of reminds me of this, where it, like sometimes you have really good runs uh, due to the the random nature of all the cards that are being presented to you, um, and sometimes the rolls really work in your favor, which makes it feel really good, and sometimes they just don't, right? And I feel like. Um, that kind of randomness is sometimes really good, but also sometimes really bad. And it just makes you work for it. My final good point, uh, the music has some pretty good space funk, space, space synth, <laughs> space atmos, uh, what's whatever the genre is, but yes, it's certainly <laughs> 80s space synth. Uh, that's very pleasing. 
Oh, I don't think I've even realized the music, huh? Mm, yeah, flip that silent switch to on and take a listen. Nice. Uh, get on to the bad points. Um, I will start. So much like I said, there's a really good aspect of the randomness. And I think my main beef with this game is that it is almost, it can be completely random, right? So even though you're fully prepared on what to do and you have a lot of skill and able to like actually do well in this game, if you just have a bad hand of cards that are presented to you and a bad roll, it can really screw you up. Like, right. I think there is just an unpredictable nature of like your game could be the best game and you can like breeze your way through it or you, your game can just like be five rounds and then that's it. Your, your ship's dead. <laughs> right. Yes. And it's not super clear how the difficulty ramps up. Presumably you get more like more and more difficult uh, external and internal threats or like the right. require more, more hits to defeat. I feel like that wasn't clearly explained, mm, right. right? And I do feel like later on towards... Because, like, the easy round is, like, you have, like, 30 or 40 cards that you have to encounter, like, undiscovered threats that you have to encounter. Um, and there is, like, an easy, medium, hard setting before the game starts. And I, But I think, like, that is only determined by how many undiscovered threats you have to go through in order to win. But I don't know how those threats are determined for you during the game like you know sometimes there are games where like oh for the first 10 threats you use from like this deck of cards um they're generally the easy ones and then you know the next 10 are like this deck of cards right so i don't know if they're doing anything like that i think that's the benefit like a physical game might have over like this digital one because this digital thing won't show you um, that kind of organization, but yeah, I felt like that was a little bit unexplained. If you saw a screenshot of the UI, you perhaps may not be fully enticed by it. Um, it is certainly minimal, perhaps brutalist to the extreme. If you're looking for a nice, uh, you know, uh, fades or rounded edges or drop shadows or I don't know, whatever the latest trend is in graphic design uh, or app design. You know, it's uh, it's certainly rough and rudimentary. I mean, I love that it doesn't take away from the gameplay. Like, the gameplay is still great. The UI is totally functional, but it's I it's not going to win any design awards. I would right. Say. It just gets the job done, right? Yeah. Um, which I think just like if this is the first thing you see, you might be a little bit like, oh. So, yeah, don't look at the screenshots jump straight to playing the game (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh i'd say it kind of looks like a trello board Mm. rather than an exciting game and i feel like some people might have problems with that but i actually found it to be quite delightful because it's one of those things where i was able to read everything super clearly and all the information was like laid out in a really nice way um but yeah my next negative point would be that sometimes you win the game and all there is is like this card that just says, congratulations, you won. <laughs> well, my is... fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it does really, uh, it does a good job in like keeping things really minimal, but I wish there was <laughs> just a little bit of pizzazz to make it feel... Like, yeah. you're doing some of the things. It does have, like, nice little sound effects where, like, 
you know, if you do the stasis, it goes like, you know, and like <laughs> you recharge the shields, it goes, right? Um, but yeah, I wish there was a little bit more fanfare at the end of it just to get that endorphins popping. Sam, what's your final seven day rating for Deep Space Deep Six? Nope. Deep, Deep Space D6 gets a seven out of seven. Whoa, for me. Yeah. a rare high accolade from Sam. I played this a lot. Um, it was one of those things where we were like super easy to get into and like the pause states were pretty good. Like I was able to close it out. And when I opened it up, even from like a restarted state, like it, it asked me if I wanted to continue my game, which was nice. Right. More games should do this. Yeah. That was great state uh, management. Yeah. Uh, very good. Seven out of seven. Definitely. I'm going to keep it around and play it again. Nice. For me, it is a four out of seven, uh, which is more a reflection of me in that it took me three days to work up the courage to <laughs> to play it because I thought, oh boy, this is a Sam board game game. Uh, <laughs> I really need to like set aside an afternoon to read lengthy instructions or like spend time getting involved. So totally understandable. Don't yeah. When be you me. take a look at it, yeah. Yes. When you take a look at it, I can I, I can completely understand that. Yeah. So don't be me. It's super easy to pick up and play. It's uh, the rules are simple. Tutorials quick. Uh, you can get into it. Don't be put off by the fact that Sam picks a board game game. Um, it would have been a lot higher had I not been me. So don't be me. This is the moral of the story. So that was Deep Space D6. Edwin, it is now your turn to recommend, I mean, select the <laughs> next game for the next seven days. Put on your driving moccasins because you have seven days to play No Limit Drag Racing 2. Oh boy. Is this inspired by Fast RuPaul? and Furious oh. 9? <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, it came out in the last month or so, so quite possibly. I'm saying, is this inspired by your influence of Fast and Furious 9? <laughs> F9. Oh no, please. My driving style is... Five five miles an hour under the speed limit. I drive <laughs> like a old woman, so <laughs> mine would be slowly cruising on the inside lane. No Ooh. limit drag racing two. I'm surprised there's a no limit drag racing one, well, but I do frankly, see it right underneath yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Sam. You have seven days to play. No limit speed racing drag two. Mm. Some combination of those words. No limit drag. <laughs> no limit drag racing two. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Before we go, Edwin, do you have a thing of the week? Now, Sam, I found that households can be categorized uh, into two distinct groups. Those with a toaster oven and those with a slot toaster. Mm. Sam, which which do you fall into? I have a slot toaster. Ah. I used to have a toaster oven. Mm. Well, as a as the resident European on this podcast, I can also say toaster ovens is really not part of common culture in certainly the UK already mm. uh, in, in Europe. Like they, they exist, but it's pretty rare they, I think they kind of have like a similar connotation as like a hot plate. Like perhaps if you're like a student, you might have one in oh, the corner or like something like, Oh, it is not really a real thing that you'd happen to have in every kitchen. Uh, slot toasters. It's are are the norm there. Uh, and Whoa. I've continued that tradition over here. Which Toaster ovens wrong, are amazing, though. Do not get me wrong. I totally understand the appeal of the, of the, of the toaster oven. Uh, Think of all the someone, hot sandwiches you could have had in your household had you had a toaster oven. Without having to heat up the huge stove that takes, yes, uh, and heat up the whole house. It's a very good point. Yep, you're right. But here we are. We are a slot toaster household. 
Do you have an air fryer? You mean an oven? <laughs> They're just ovens. What is it? Ugh. So the air fryer has taken over our toaster toaster oven responsibilities, which I call well <laughs> an oven that doesn't take twenty minutes to heat up. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we also have a small Brooklyn-sized kitchen, so I'm quite draconian with the number of gigors and who's-its and what's-its that are right. permitted. Totally yeah. valid. I totally get that, yes. Which is also the other reason why I can't get more kitchen devices for my household. <laughs> You've been banned, I see. Um, Sorry, but, you were saying. But yes, believe it or not, uh, a slot toaster is not my thing of the week. However, a total game-changer for us is Toast Tongs. Oh, mm. you mean like the little grabby things? Yeah, bamboo. We have a pair of bamboo toast tongs. I think they were like three three bucks from IKEA. Uh, oh my gosh, total game changer! No longer are you like fishing around, burning your fingers, trying to pull out your English muffin. Uh, I hate to pull out my English muffin with a, with a, with my hand. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, scarily putting your knife in, just risking like electrocution uh, right, with a false death, move. Yeah. Yeah, uh, much like Operation. Nope, you can now get your bamboo toast tongs, jam them in, retrieve, uh, retrieve your item. And, you know, and sometimes if you put in like a big poorly sliced bagel, it's kind of jammed in there and it might get a little stuck. No problem with your bamboo toast tongs. Shove them in to your heart's content and you can pull it out in one piece. Anyway, I feel like toast tongs, that should be Best three bucks I've spent. Toast tongs. And tong, 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 tong. That's a reference for, for those for 30 years or older. Amazing. Um, my thing of the week, Edwin, is a Amazon Prime original. An Amazon original. Amazon original. Called Invincible. It's a animated series about superheroes, but it is penned by Robert Kirkman of uh the walking dead fame so it's definitely not for kids Mm. but it's like i don't know i don't know what it is with amazon but they they love realistic and gruesome violent superheroes with the boys and now invincible right but yeah it's i just finished the first season uh very enjoyable it's uh, voiced by Steven Yoon of The Walking Dead and Minori. Ooh, yes, Minori. Oscar nomination. Wait, Oscar mm-hmm. winner? I don't know. Was the Oscar Oscar, Oscar nomination slash winner. Who knows? We can, never, we can and, all find out. And uh, J.K. Simmons. And a whole bunch of other actors. Yeah. That are, that are voicing oh. all the different characters. One of the J.K.'s that has not been cancelled. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> the good jk the good jk absolutely yes <laughs> definitely check it out i think um i don't know i think you might like it it is pretty like pretty violent though okay i'd i'd say watch that first episode and see if you want to stick with it because pretty good yeah sometimes actually you're right like amazon freaking loves super violent shows there was a show we started watching that was based on a comic book Oh gosh! Uh, oh, was it Utopia? Yep, graphic novel. Yeah. Oh boy, that was. Uh, I had to stop watching. That was too violent for me. Mm. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, 
Amazon originals they freaking love their violence so uh, maybe I will check out Invincible they do yeah it's very well drawn it kind of reminds me of um, what do you call it like uh, Teen Titans when Teen Titans animation was really good or um, I forget like some other ones where like they really focus on like good cartoony animation it still looks like pretty good but like yeah check it out it's really it's it's well done I liked it and that is our show. Sam, you have seven days to play. Super drag, Speed Drag Racing 2. Race Burn Rubber 2. Hang on, let me get the real name of it. No Limit Drag Racing 2 from Autonoma. 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 Yes, Autonoma. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, if you would like to tweet us some game suggestions, you may on Twitter at 7 Days to Play. And find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast at 7 Days to Play. Seven days to play. Seven days to play.